Let's pray. Uh, dear God, I'm thankful for this week, and um, I'm thankful for how you prepared hearts already tonight. And uh, God, most of all, I'm thankful for the leadership in this church and uh, how they challenge me and how they make me better. And I'm thankful for the band and all the hard work they put in. Uh, God, I pray that you would just use tonight for your glory. That's the whole reason why we're here, to learn more about your word, to grow deeper in love with you, and uh, to be reminded of your love for us. So, Lord, I pray you would do that tonight through every word that is spoken. And uh, I pray that you would just break down walls so that we would open up to you uh, in every way, be humbled, and see your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, admittedly, I do have notes tonight. I know y'all have never seen that before in your entire life because, as Connie says, Kenny's a freak. But this week, I, it's just a little different because um, God was just showing me a lot of things, and a lot of times I like to write down things whenever I learn something or um, when God's teaching me something, I, and it's like super important, and I just, I'll just write it down so that I can look back on it later on, and it's there, and I'm reminded, oh, that's how I felt during that time, and it's how God worked, and I'm reminded of that. Um, so... I have a confession to make. I'm just going to do it. Uh, I, your youth pastor, the kids' youth pastor, whatever whatever I am, youth guy, um, I'm insecure, and I'm weak, and I'm scatterbrained, um, a lot of different things, and a lot of times I don't feel like... Uh, I don't feel like I should do this because of, you know, just how weak I feel at times or how insecure I, I think too much. Um, I don't say that to get sympathy or whatever. Y'all can pray for me. I need that. But I don't. I also don't say that just so my messages can suck and it be okay. And it's like, well, he said he's weak. You know, he said he sucked, so that's okay. That's not. I just. I'm just admitting this because uh, it's just what I want to say. I feel like God wants me to say it. So um, a lot of this week um, and the past month or so um, is a transition in my life. Like, I don't think I understand. Like, no other church looks like this. I'm serious. Like, it, no other church. I've only been to one other church. So like this, in my mind, I'm thinking this is so different. Like, and um, I've never been a youth pastor. I don't know what that looks like. Well, I know what it has looked like, but I know I don't know what it's supposed to look like necessarily. I just know it's supposed to be different in some places, you know. Um, so admittedly, I'm a little insecure. I'm, I'm really weak, but God's Word does a lot of things. And it has encouraged me this week, and I hope it does the same for you guys from this passage that I'm about to read to you. And just to open up, that's not where we're going to be tonight. I'm just going to read this because... A lot of us feel insecure about what we're supposed to do for God. Like, you know, we can come up here and say, just go, you know, just get up and go, as Kenny told us Sunday. And, like, that just gripped my heart. And I, like, get up and go. Like, just get off your butt and go do something. And um, what we preached about, what he preached about last Wednesday, and, I mean, everything's just kind of building up in my heart. And 
I know that sometimes we can feel a little insecure or feel out of place or feel like I'm not where I'm supposed to be or uh, like I'm in this waiting period. I don't know what God wants me to do. So I'm feeling a little insecure. I don't know what my next step's supposed to look like. Or I've been doing the same thing for a while. Am I always going to be doing this? Am I supposed to live here? I mean, there's a lot of questions. And we always, you know, Kenny does a really good job of confronting those questions. And, um, and we talk about those things. And it's really awesome. And I'm, I'm so happy to be here for those type of things. But in my own life, I was like, man, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by all this stuff. You know, I'm overwhelmed by, by school. I'm overwhelmed by all these different things. I know that each one of us have those areas. And each one of us have struggles. This is why we're talking about the struggle bus. So I want to read to you what God says, because it's the most encouraging thing. Um, in Joshua chapter 1, he says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, uh, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you, uh, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate them, turning either to the left or to the right. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Um, God led me to that passage only because um, I feel like he's going to, I feel like he's using this church. Um, I know he uses the, the men in my small group to encourage me every week. And I know that he speaks to hearts in here every single time we're here. And I know that it reaches beyond these walls. And I know that people are getting um, impacted from what God is doing here. And uh, I just want to encourage us all, let's not stop because he's with us. And he has called us to take over this land that he has promised us. And, and you know, we just have to keep going. And he's always going to be with us. So I wanted to say that only because it gave me encouragement this week to, to not give up and to, to keep going and to just know that he called me to something and he called the weak of this world to shame the strong. And it's in our weakness that we are made strong. When we're weak, God makes us strong. And, uh, and nothing will be able to ever stop us from bringing God glory. And that's our whole point, you know. So anyways, tonight we're going to be back on the struggle bus um, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. Oh, actually chapter 3, where we're really going to be reading from. So um, I wanted to be in this passage tonight. It was just something really weird. I'm in, I'm in a biology program at Jacksonville State, and there's just something we talk about a lot. You know, it's, uh, it's called evolution. And so, 
you know, obviously Genesis 1 kind of is what we argue with that. But I wanted to start there and go to something else. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to walk through it. So in Genesis 1, what happened? God created the heavens and the earth. So day one, he created the heavens and the earth and the day and night. And then we have these pictures up here. I just want to give you all a good idea of what God actually did in creation and the, the attention, the detail that he paid. Day two, he created the skies. Day three, he created the land and the seas and the plants. Day four, he created the sun, moon, and stars. Day five, he created the birds and then the creatures in the sea. And day six was the pinnacle where he created all the animals on the land and then he created all of us, humans. Not, he didn't create us that day. But I just wanted to give y'all a good picture. I, I love nature. There's Musty in small groups. I love you, Musty. I had to say it, man. I'm sorry. I love you. It's awesome. But uh, y'all just, y'all look at this. I know y'all want to be there right now. Wow. Look at all the, look, God literally made this. I mean, it's amazing. All this stuff, he made that too. That's the Sahara Desert. And the, the one before that was the Atlantic Ocean. That is the Amazon River. That is a waterfall in Yellowstone National Park. And right underneath that is the largest volcano in the world, if y'all didn't know. It can fill the Great Lakes twice. That is a giant mountain in the Himalayas. That's the Atlantic Ocean. Just look how big it is. I mean, like, from the, as far as the eye can see, it's nothing but water. That's amazing. It looks like a waterfall. You know, remember when y'all were little, y'all thought it was a waterfall at the end? That's the Great Barrier Reef. The second largest reef in the world. It's huge. It's in Australia. And that's, you have probably already seen that one when I turned around and saw this one. This is the safari. And just look how far. I mean, like, some of y'all have been there on mission trips, but, I mean, just, just look at it. And look at all the animals. I mean, that's just like, I mean, are y'all amazed at this? Like what he did in six days? We can't even build a house in six days. You know what I'm saying? Brian, Brian can you do that in six days? Is it impossible? Yeah. No. Okay, well, okay. What's well, possible if it's not completely finished? And God, the Lord God made that in six days. Like in six days, he spoke and it was there. There's a lot of people out there, and I understand, I understand where they're coming from. Because, I mean, like, I had that kind of mindset, like, you know, something's got to have an origin, you know, like, scientific, like, how did it happen? We got to go through these steps, and, you know, how, where, where did it come from? All this kind of thing. So, well, it had to come from this because there's evidence of this. Well, I understand where they're coming from, and I have grace for those people, but it's just not true. It's just not true. Like, if all living things had an origin of a single-celled bacteria, which for that to happen, 
it's a 1 in 10 with 40,000 zeros on it chance for that to happen. The right pressure, the right amount of water, right chemicals, the right, I mean, the right everything. I mean, like, the perfect temperature outside, everything had to happen. A 1 in 10 with 40,000 zeros, that's a secular st statistic. That's not something a Christian. That's something that, and they've, they've been trying to recreate it for years. But if all living things, including plants, because plants are living, right? If all living things had the same origin, like, I'm not related to a banana. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, me and bananas are not cousins. I'm, I'm sorry. It just doesn't happen. And like, we can relate this back to, like, building things. Like, if a piece of wood is just laying there in a couple million years, if it doesn't decompose, it's still going to be laying there. It doesn't just create a house all of a sudden with a master bedroom with an ensuite and, like, you know, this awesome kitchen with granite countertops, you know, stainless steel. It doesn't just happen. Like, you can't get complexity from simplicity. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't just go that way. You know, it, it, it just doesn't happen. I mean, I have grace for those people, and I understand where they're coming from, but it just doesn't happen. And there's another view out there, too, that, you know, it's like, well, if evolution is true, then God must have did, you know, he, he must have done it. Like, he, he must have just controlled the whole thing to where, he created bacteria, and then he, he let it go into uh, this, this multi-celled organism, more like a fish, and then that fish was like an amphibian, then it grew legs, and then from the amphibian it grew into a reptile, from a reptile to a bird. That's, that's, that's how it goes, by the way. They think reptiles were, went to birds. And, um, I mean, it's, it's crazy how they, how they think. And, and, um, and I, I see their evidence every day. I, I take their classes. and I mean, it's really cool to learn about. It's really cool to, to see their side of it, but... God didn't do that. God created it in six days. Why? I mean, most of all, I think it was to, to show his power, to show, to show how powerful he actually is. And to be honest with you, I don't know why he created it. I mean, it just like, it's not like he needed us. It's not like he needed a place to, you know, it, it, he just wanted to, I guess. I, I, don't, I really don't know. I could not tell you the answer. But... The smartest guy that ever lived, y'all probably know his name, Albert Einstein. He's considered the smartest. I don't know if he is, but he's considered the smartest. You know, if you have an IQ of an Einstein, you're, you're really stinking smart. Let me just tell you what he says. He said that the more he studies science, the more he believes in God. And they asked him, what did you mean by that? This is what he said. The problem involved is too vast for our limited minds. We are in the position of a little child entering a huge library filled with books in many different languages. The child knows someone must have written these books. It does not know how. It does not understand the languages in which they are written. The child dimly suspects a mysterious order in the arrangement of the books, but doesn't know what it is. That, it seems to me, is the attitude or of, the, of even the most intelligent human being toward God. We see the universe marvelously arranged and obeying certain laws, but only dimly understand these laws. And I kind of—I just want to start there because it's a good—it's a good start to the story. And I kind of wanted to establish that that God did create this place. God did create all those wonderful things that we just saw in the pictures. Like those are not just pictures in a magazine. Those are real places. Those are real things. And, like, this universe, like, this world is so awesome. Like, his creation, like, I, I have grace for those people who, like, worship nature, like, want to become one with that. I have grace for those people, too. I mean, like, look how beautiful it is. I mean, God is just, like, an artist, like a master artist. He just, 
Like, he said it, and it was just that beautiful, and it was so awesome. Like, I can look at it all day, and, and to be, you know, just to be, like, transparent, that's what happened when I got saved. I, I was looking at the ocean, and just like you saw the Atlantic, and just nothing, you can just see nothing but waves, and in the sun, you know, like, just for miles, and I was thinking, like, and I had never read this in the Bible, but apparently God can hold all the oceans in, in one hand. I don't know where that's at, but I heard it, you know, but at this point I hadn't heard it, and I was just looking at it, and I was thinking, like, it's like God just spoke to my heart and was like, I created that, and I can hold that in my hand. And I was just looking at it. I just started crying. I was by myself sitting on the sand. It was like 1130 at night on June the, on June the 2nd, and I was just looking at it, like, and I was just in complete awe. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, and I'm talking to him. I'm talking to God. Like, he made this, and I'm talking to him. A lot of us would be amazed if we were talking to the President of the United States right now. Some of us don't like him, and some, you know, whatever, but y'all would still be amazed. I mean, like, this dude, he's President of the United States. You know, like, it, there's, there's some, like some sort of, like, reverence there, you know, like, and we get to talk to God, you know, I, I'm sorry, that, that, that's amazing to me. Like, there's a lot of different things we can do in this lifetime. You know, there's things like getting married, having kids. You know, you have, uh, you know, your college time, you know, your high school days, you know, ch- championships, national championships, if you're on one of those teams. I mean, there's a lot of cool things you can do with your life. And I'll just be honest, just like Francis Chan says, the most, the best times in my life didn't come from anything in this world. Like, like the best time of my life, it's like, I, my most favorite times when I talk to Jesus, and I'm not saying that because I'm a youth pastor, like, the, the most amazing times that I spend on this earth is when I'm alone with God, and He's speaking to my heart, and He gives me peace, and He lets me know He's real. And I get to go outside. I see that he made that. I get to, to hang out with people that he made, that he knit in, the mother, in their mother's womb. I get to hang out with those people and love on them. And they get to love me and encourage me. And spending time with him is, is far beyond anything that I could ever hope for. Even just this morning, five, 10, 30 minutes ago when I was praying to him, I was just, I don't want to leave. I, when I go to him, I just want to stay. I, it's just, he's so awesome. Like, why, why do I get to talk to him? Why would I ever be able to talk to him? Like, me, like, just picture yourself. This is how small you are. Picture yourself in the middle of the ocean, of the Pacific Ocean, the biggest ocean in the world. Picture yourself in the middle of the ocean. No one would ever find you. You're out there, I mean, just chilling in the ocean. Sunburnt, wanting to drink the salt water, but you can't because you get dehydrated. I mean, just, that's how little you are. Like, you, won't, you can't see the land around you. That's how little you are. And God talks to you. God allows you to talk to Him. And I, I wanted to point this out because we're going to be in Genesis 3, but the reason why Genesis 3 is so 
awesome and so good to look at is because of what God did two chapters before. He created the world in six days. He created all that beauty. And, like, I don't know. I, I just kind of want to point that out because God is so awesome. And um, we, don't, we don't even deserve to be here. So, um, so, like I said, on day six, he created all the animals on land, and he created us. So in Genesis chapter 2, I'm just going to summarize it. In Genesis chapter 2, he does almost like a flashback. You know, he says, okay, this is how I made Adam and Eve. So he forms Adam out of dust, and he breathes breath into Adam's lungs. Personally, breathes breath into his lungs to make him alive. Now, not only that, but he made Adam in his image. I don't really know what that means. I don't, know, I don't think God looks like Adam. I think that mostly it's his traits, the, the things about Adam, like, you know, like things like love and, and humility, those kind of things that are about us or is the image that God has put in us. I don't necessarily, I don't know if, if he looks like, I don't think he is because the Bible says he's a spirit. But the fact that he made us in his image puts us at the very top of the priority list with all the animals. Y'all have heard this before. But let's just be reminded, he breathed breath into our lungs. It's only because of him that we are alive. And that's just, that's amazing to me. Because I've read this story a lot of times, but very few times have I just stopped and just looked at how amazing that actually was. And it was so cool, like Kenny preached on Sunday, Jonah and, and the big fish. Well, like he just like stopped, like just, he didn't even talk about Jonah and the big fish. It was just like, you know why I stopped? Because that is important. Those sailors were important. And, and I, I, and it just made me think, it was like, well, 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 the fact that, that he made us and the fact that he breathed breath into our nostrils, I think that's important. I think that's very important because we, we only exist because of him. And, you know, we're thinking now, it's like, well, yeah, we, yeah, duh, we exist. Yeah, we're alive. But, like, what our, our biggest fear is death, is it not? It's like we don't, we don't know. It's like unknown, you know, unless you're a Christian and you just have this, like, this huge faith, and you're just like, man, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go to the Lord. And, you know, you know where you're going. But, like, death in itself, just thinking about death, you know, like, how am I going to die? You know, I don't really know, like, what, what's going to be my thoughts? You know, who's going to be there? What's going to, how am I going to die? Like, that stuff's kind of scary, you know. It's kind of un- unknown. And I just think it's very important for us to understand as well that we're, we don't live forever, you know. Like, because what we're going to read about in Genesis chapter 3, we're not going to live forever. And I think the fact that we are alive and that God controls our very next breath and that God is sovereign over everything, I think that's very important to what we're about to read. So he breathes breath into Adam's nostrils. He made Adam in their image, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what uh, commentators think it means when he says, in our image. And so then he says, well, it's not good for the man to be alone. So what's he do? He creates Eve. He says he's going to make a helper that is just right for him. 
make a helper fit for him. And so I think that we can talk about something else that's really important. This is going into it. I promise it's leading somewhere. I'm not just up here talking to hear myself talk. I promise. So is it, she's a helper. And I think that's huge because who else is called the helper in the Bible? Is the Holy Spirit not called the helper? So when we talk about, I mean, this is like, this is perfection we're talking about here. This is like the perfect, the perfect world, the perfect relationships, and Eve is created as a helper. So this is not calling anybody out, I promise. I'm just saying this is how it's supposed to work. Like, it, it's so cool how God made it, how God made things to be so, be so perfect, just interlocking, no, no beats missed. It's just like it's perfection. So, like, the woman is supposed to help the man, right? And it, if, you, if you're a man in here, I'm sure you're like every other man on earth, and sometimes you feel a little bit inadequate, right? Sometimes you feel like, man, I'm just not good enough. i got to be on top of my game all the time. And if, if you're like me at all, you're a little bit insecure. Sometimes you don't want to show it. You don't want to show nobody. You want to show about your weaknesses, maybe not even your wife. I don't know. But, you know, you want to be strong. You want to be the provider. You want to put the bread on the table. And you're, you're going to go to work. And you're not going to complain about waking up early because that's what we're supposed to do because we're men. You know what I'm saying? All you men out there, we're strong. You know what I'm saying? So, like, but if you're like me and like any other man, at some point in your life, you know, you kind of feel inadequate. You kind of feel like maybe I'm not doing enough. And, you know, people just kind of expect me to work. People kind of expect me to be strong. But... Somehow it's just like, I'm, I'm feeling a little weak. I need some encouragement. Well, I know a lot of your wives, they do this. They help you out. They're supposed to be that helper that's fit for you, that one that kind of, you know, is strong where you're weak and, and you're strong where they're weak. And I think it's very important we see this relationship made perfect here. You know, this example that we have, and like the woman is supposed to help and encourage the man, you know, and, and just... You know, show them love, support them. You know, I don't care what you're going to do with your life. I don't care where you go. I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to trust your leadership because God puts you in a leadership position, and I'm going to trust it, you know, that everything you're going to do, I'm just going to follow you because I support you. I believe in you. And then the man is supposed to be the servant, right? So it's not all, it's not all about, you know, like, I'm the man. I'm on the throne, so I get to do everything. It's this perfect relationship where the, where the man serves and the woman helps, and the man is supposed to, supposed to lead and so we have that perfect relationship. And what happens in Genesis chapter 3? Who knows? Raise your hand. Does anybody know? Nobody knows what happened in Genesis? Ah, the pastor. He knows. Great. All right. Well, that's good. I was expecting everybody to know what happened in Genesis chapter 3. So that is, oh, dude, that's awesome. We're about to go on a ride. All right. Let me turn to it. So in Genesis chapter, I'm, I'm going to read it instead of summarizing it now. All right, here we go. So, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any tree or fruit from any trees in the garden? Okay. So, admittedly, I forgot to mention one little detail. God put them in a garden, all right? 
And he told them, you cannot eat of this one tree. That's all the way. He created this awesome garden. That creation, he said, you just can't eat of one tree. All right, detail solved. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the serpent. Does anybody else think it's weird that the snake is talking? I mean, like, I was reading that the other day. I mean, I just skimmed right over it, and I was just like, hold up, like, the, the snake's talking, man. Like, that's weird to me. And the fact that we, like, have read over that story so many times, it's like, you know, the serpent asked the woman, and then the woman ate of the fruit, and, man, we're just all serious. Well, we never stopped to talk about the snake was talking. Like, the snake literally asked one. I wonder, like, I mean, there's no details there, but if I'm the one, I'm thinking, dude, I'm, I'm going to get my husband something. Like, we need to kill this thing. This thing's talking to me. Either that or I'm crazy. Like, this, this serpent is talking to me. And I don't think it was, it's not really like a snake. It's like more like a lizard, apparently, because God cursed the thing and took its legs away. I guess we can call it a legless lizard. You know, they have those here in Alabama. They, you might think it's a snake, but it's a lizard. You know, it's really cool. God created that too. And um, well, anyways, so the snake's talking. And so we automatically kind of assume that this thing has got something wrong with it. Yeah, this is not a normal snake. This snake is possessed, man. Like, if we're just going to put it in modern, modern terms, I mean, the snake's possessed by Satan, by the devil himself. And it's like a scary movie, man. This thing is talking to this woman, trying to deceive her. And he says, did God really say you couldn't eat of any tree? And he just comes on and out. Like, there's, like, no welcome for him, nothing. Like, they don't intro him. Like, they're not just like, and, and while in the garden, Satan was crawling around. And, like, you know, like a documentary. I love documentary talks. It's like Australian. It's like he was crawling around the forest. And all of a sudden, he came upon a woman. You know, it's like, whatever. So, anyways... So he comes upon this one, like, no intro. He just unwelcomed, like, unannounced. We don't even know anything about this dude. And the this, this serpent just starts talking. And he says, are you sure that God said you shouldn't eat of any tree of the garden? So he starts tempting Eve. He's like, well, yeah, yeah. So he told me not, he, he didn't say I couldn't eat of any tree. He just said I couldn't eat of this one tree in the middle of the garden. And so he's like, oh, okay. It's like, what happens if you eat of that tree? So he says, if I, if I eat or even if I touch it, I'm going to die. And Satan's like, you won't surely die. You're, you're not going to die if you eat that. Your eyes will just be opened. You'll be like God. You'll be able to, you know, you'll have wisdom. And so he doesn't stop there. It's like, you know, it's like, well, she kind of turned, turned him, you know, like just shut him down and was like, nah, man, I ain't eating of that. God told me not to. And then he, he pushed on a little harder, right? He didn't just stop first, first ask. He, he, you know, first question, no, no, no. What he did was he just stuck his foot in the door. You know, you ever playing hide and seek in the house? Hide and seek players, anybody? I am the master. When I was little, I hid in my dryer. I got, oh my, I got in so much trouble. It was like, what if I would have came in here and turned this dry? You mean dead? And I, was, I started crying. I was like, Dad, I'm sorry. I didn't. I ain't mean to. I bet I won. You know, that's all that mattered to me. I, I, I cried in front of him. And when I went, I was like, Yeah, <laughs> I won. There ain't no hiding spaces in my house, like nothing. I mean, so I, I had to find something. Anyways, when you're like, when you're running to the base, you know, you, you ABC base on me. So you got to run. You have to run. Well, like if I'm going inside the door, I'm trying to close it. You know, 
But you get that foot in the door, uh-uh. I got my foot there, and especially if I got shoes on, you ain't closing it. You are not closing that door. So I get my foot in there, and then I start pushing. And you got three more people behind you trying to get the person, you know, ABC based on me kind of thing. You get that foot in the door, there is no keeping me out. I'll, I'll die getting in that door, especially if it's hide and seek, because I love that game. Play with Lucy Kate all the time. Anyways, so away from the hide and seek. I'm sorry, I got a little carried away, and that's my favorite game. But he got his foot in the door. And there was no keeping Satan out at that point. He, he knew once he got his foot in the door, he started the conversation, made her feel a little comfortable. Well, it says that he's the shrewdest of all the animals in the field. He was a, he was a beast of the field, just like God on day six created all the beasts of the field. He was one of those beasts of the field. And so um, he was the shrewdest. Well, we kind of get that, you know, it's like, well, he's the craftiest. You know, we, we kind of get like a ne- negative connotation from that. We're just like, oh, he, oh, he's crafty. You know, he's a little manipulative, like, like, you keep your eye on him. Well, like in the Hebrew, that did not carry any like negative connotations. It was like, it's just like, oh, okay, he's just, he's, he's just carrying on a conversation, just moseying on through the garden. He's going to ask Eve, hey, what's up, Eve? How you doing? You don't eat the tree today? So like, it didn't, it was innocent. Like it, it was, like, it was cool at first. And it was like, but it was deceptive. Like, we look at it as deceptive because we know the story. But to Eve, it was like, oh, what's up, friend? How you doing? Talking snake. And so, so anyways, he gets his foot in the door, and he keeps on asking. But doesn't Satan always kind of do the same things? Doesn't he, like, in your life, when you think about how Satan attacks you, doesn't he always come up unannounced and, like, not really, no, no signs, like, no one, no one said, you know, like, hey, Satan's coming at you today about 3 o'clock, you know, sorry, watches on this hand. He's coming around like 3 o'clock, and he's going to hit you at school when you're taking that test, and he's going to remind you how crappy you are. You didn't study. You know, why are you praying right before the test? And he's just going to he's gonna hit you, man. He's just going to make you feel really inadequate. He's going he's gonna to make you feel like you were not saved in the first place, and it's just, I mean, he's going to get you. And so you just be ready at 3.30. You start praying. It's like, no, he's unwelcomed. He's unannounced. He has not come. He just, bam, all of a sudden with innocent deception, all that kind of stuff. And with, like, this temptation. Do y'all ever feel like temptation is just, like, everywhere? Like, it's all the time. Like, man, everywhere you look, it's like, man, I got to make a lot of money when I grow up. That's a nice car. Forerunner, trail edition, four-wheel drive. You know, I'm going to start sending while I'm up here. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But anyways, that's like, man, you like look around. You're like, man, that dude, that's a nice suit he's got on there. Or if you're a girl, yeah, you're like, man, I like those. Those shoes are cute. I like him shoes. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah. And then, and then your friend comes up to you and is like, oh, my God. Did you see what shoes he was wearing? They were so ugly. Oh, my God. And so you're just like, you're caught off guard. You're like, man, I want to gossip right now. I just want to gossip because... Because this other girl, those shoes weren't nowhere near as bad as this girl's shoes. Like, and then you just start talking. I mean, like, temptation is just, like, everywhere. Like, everywhere you turn, it's so discouraging. It's always like, oh, I just want to go in my room and shut my, oh, blah, 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 I can't hear. You know, it's like, but then, like, you're in sin. Like, then it's like, how do you get away from it? You can't get away from it. You just can't isolate yourself from it. It's always there. So what I did, I was watching a sermon one day. Francis Chan, he's my homeboy. And Kenny likes him, too. But, uh. I found this video. It is hilarious. Like, this is what Francis Chan says about temptation. There, there out in the world, 
still, James says to him, look, you still don't have the right to say. Even though you're going through a hard time, even though you're tempted to sin, don't you dare put that on God. That's coming out of you. It's your desire, your being enticed, you're being dragged away and enticed. And I like this word for enticed because it was a hunting term or a, a, a fishing term. It's the idea of a, of a, of a hook. And obviously, this isn't enticing, so what do we do? I brought some, brought some worms, gummy worms. And uh, it's this whole idea of, of what you do to a fish, because this word is the idea of drawing a fish away from its retreat. And it, it's about dangling something. Okay? This, this is what Satan does to us all day. He just kind of goes, come on. Come on, just take it. It looks good, doesn't it? Just take it. He's doing everything to entice you out of this place. He's doing everything to entice you out of your family. He's trying to do everything to entice you. Come on, just take it. And you know when the hook's covered up, come on, you can't tell. And it's the same thing we do with a fish, just kind of luring it out of its retreat. Come on, just take it, take it, take it. Because you know the moment that fish takes it, you know you got him and the fight is on, right? And it's that same idea. And, and the thing is, is every once in a while, we're wise enough to not take the bait. And so what does Satan do? Give up? No? Okay, that didn't work. That didn't work. All right. Guess they're not going for worms today. You know. Here's a hundred bucks. All right, here we go. Come on. Come on. Come on. I got this last service. Come on. You, you just, just, just take it. Ah. Oh. And then... Suddenly, it's, it's like, oh, okay, you know, and, and it, because it is, it's, it's like, come on, you guys don't have to be at church this morning, you could be making some of this. You're sitting here, you lose money coming here, you throw it in the plate. You could follow me and actually get some of this. And he just keeps switching and switching, okay, money's not going to do it for you, let me try something else. All day long, this goes on for us, right? Where Satan just goes, okay, ooh, ripped it, Oops. that's illegal, huh? Okay, but um, it's this, this whole idea of, man, things are just being dangled, dangled, dangled. But the truth is, is that's not even a correct reflection, I don't think. I mean, to me, it's like we're bombarded here in Southern California. It's not even like one thing. This is what I feel like living in Southern California. This is what it feels like. You know, it's like you're just... Oh, man. All around. It's like everywhere you turn, it's like, man, something is tempting you. Don't you feel like this? So what do you do? Okay, I was thinking about doing that, but I don't have a hundred bucks. You know what I'm saying? And I don't have a fishing pole. I know that's weird. I'm in. I live in the south. I don't have a fishing pole. I, I just, I just don't have one. I'm sorry, guys. And I don't. I also don't have a Japanese hat. You know, like those that thing. I don't. I don't even know where you can buy one of those. But was that not an awesome like illustration? Like that is exactly how temptation is. Like, come on, you know, come on. And then. Hey, I was in my I was in my room like, watching that one day, and I was just like, man, I'm, 
I'm really discouraged, you know. So I'm, I'm watching Francis Chan. He always cracks me up. And, man, that just cracked me up. I saw that, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that is exactly how temptations are. It's like you just, you, you can't even, like, I mean, they're, like, following you. It is so crazy. But I know y'all, I know, I know, I sound crazy. That's because y'all are not talking back to me. I know that y'all, I know that y'all feel this way. I know that y'all do. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to tell myself that you do, because if not, I'm going to feel like an idiot. So, anyways, so he gets his foot in the door. Okay, we're going to read some more, because God's word is so beautiful. Okay. So he said, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any trees, any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And so Eve, she even gets a little confused because God didn't say you couldn't touch it. So then he says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. Ah, oh, women. I'm just kidding. You know how people are. Just like, ah, oh, women, whatever. People, men don't say that in front of their wives. And wives don't say that in front of their men. So that's cool. Whatever. Y'all can sit there and laugh if y'all want. Uh, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. And its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Which is really funny. Um, right before the service... Uh, Kayla and them were, you know, playing up here, and they were talking about Genesis chapter one. It was so weird. I was like, I mean, how do they know, man? They're not supposed to know. Like, it's they're not, now the punchline is not going like matter, you know. But they were talking about how uh, how it wasn't an apple. We always think it's an apple, you know. I thought that was funny. I wasn't going to bring that up, but uh, it is pretty funny. Like everybody's like, well, Eve ate that apple. What an apple? Like it was just a fruit. I don't know. I, I'm guessing it was some like just. Deli- I, I like grapes. I don't really like apples or bananas or stra- strawberries are disgusting, especially not watermelon. I don't like that. Grapes are the bomb. I'm thinking it's like this massive, nice, seedless grape. And just, I mean, it's beautiful, man. Like when the light hits it, it's like gleaming, you know, a little bit. It's got a little ping when it hits it, you know what I'm saying? So like Eve's looking at it like, man, that looks good. I'm kind of hungry right now, you know. No meat around here. I'm just going to have to eat me a bunch of grapes. And so she eats of it. Now, there's something that happened when Eve ate of this grape. Her eyes were opened. And then she gave it to her husband, who was also, I don't know why he didn't just be like, Eve, put that down. You know you're not supposed to touch that. But he didn't do that. He ate of it too. And don't hate on Eve now, okay? We all want to hate on Eve. We would have done it too. Like if we if we got up to it, I'm a screw up. Like if, if somebody tells me not to do something, I find some way to do it even if I try not to do it. Like, you know, if Kenny tells me to do something, like he tells me to be here at like 545, like I, I will be here at like 615 and be like, man, I'm, I come here like 530 every week, but then you tell me to be here at 545, get here at 615. Like something happened. Like it would have been me. I would have ate of the grape because I like grapes. 
And I would have screwed up. Like, don't hate on Eve. Like, it's cool. We, there's a, you know, it could have been you. You would have done it too. We would have all eaten of the fruit. And yes, husbands, we would have let our wives do it because they, if they beg for it, you know, enough, we'll, just, we'll give in. You know, like, here, here's 20 bucks. And so, anyways, so that's what happened. They eat of the fruit. It's, you know, it's kind of funny now, like we're talking about it, but at the same time, here's what happened. Their eyes were opened, and in Genesis chapter 2, when they were created, they were both naked, but they didn't feel any shame. They didn't really understand, they didn't, like, they didn't catch it that, you know, oh, I'm not supposed to be naked. It didn't matter. It was, it was perfection. They didn't realize it. Well, they realized it, but it wasn't bad then, but now their eyes were opened, now they were ashamed of their nakedness. Now they were ashamed of who they were. And because of that sin, every rape, every murder, every theft, every pain, every bit of danger in this world has happened. Every bit of heartache that you've ever felt happened because of that. Because of that one instance. And we might have thought, you know, like, like what, she just ate of a fruit. What's wrong with that? Well, it's, it's disobeying God. God said not to do something. And then we kind of say, well, God, your way is not, not good enough. I'm going to do it my way. And it, it seems so small. But because of that, we all need to be told every week that God loves us because we can't remember because of all the hurt and the pain in this world. And because of that, there's been cancer. There's been a lot of heartache because of cancer in this room. There's been a lot of pain from things like rape, maybe even in this room. That's, that's hard stuff, guys. That's, that's serious stuff. I mean, it, just, it, it all happened at, at this moment, and... It was all because she thought the grape looked good. It, you know, it was all because she thought in this moment, I, I know what to do better than God does. And so that's what happened. She took of it, and then Adam took of it, and they were ashamed and naked. So, so what did they do? They started hiding. They, 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 put, they sewed together fig leaves, you know, ginormous fig leaves, and, and just covered themselves because they were ashamed. And so they hid. And then what happens? So then... When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate. So the Lord God, and it's important why they call him the Lord God, because he's personal. That, that name is just, just kind of symbolizing his, his personalness to them, his care for them. And Satan called him God. He didn't, he didn't call him by Lord God. He called him by, by God. And so the Lord God, even now, 
is coming to them in the garden, even though he knows what happened. He knows what just happened. He knows, in fact, he knows all the consequences of what just happened in the garden. He knows about everything that has happened yesterday and even today, all the heartaches. He knew that back then. When that happened, he knew what that would have caused. He knew all the little details. He knew all of our thoughts. He knew all of those things. When that happened, he knew every bit of consequence, yet he comes throughout the garden and he asked them, instead of saying, Adam and Eve, what, what are you thinking? Why would you eat that? I told you not to eat, and now all this stuff is going to happen. You ruined it. You ruined my creation. No. He comes and he says, he's like, where are you? Where are you at? And they get scared of him because they know what they just did. They know they just did something really, really bad. I don't think they knew exactly how bad it was because they didn't show any sign of, like, repentance. They didn't show any sign of, like, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. It was just like, no, the woman did it. It was like, well, no, the serpent told me to do it. I, I promise it was him. It was his fault. So, like, they didn't take any blame. They were just like, you know, it, it wasn't my fault. They, they didn't, I didn't understand. They didn't understand, but yet we see God's grace. And then, and then something, something just crazy awesome happened. So, so after that happened, God said to Satan, like, your descendants are going to bruise my descendants' heel, but my descendant is going to crush your head. So he's, like, kind of pointing forward to Jesus, like, like just like a pre-gospel kind of thing. And so then he does that. He says that to Satan, just basically telling Satan, you're going to lose, buddy. Like, what you just did, you think you're going to win? And you think you've won all this over, but in fact, I actually knew that was going to happen. So you know what's going to happen now? My descendant is going to crush you. My descendant is going to win over you. You may bruise my descendant's heel, but that's because I let you. That's because I wanted you to, because I'm planning this out, buddy. I got a prophecy going here. And so then he, then he talks to the, to the man, and then he talks to the woman, and he's like basically cursing them, and, he, and he's like telling them what's going to happen and, and all this kind of other stuff. And he tells Satan that he's not going to have any legs anymore. He's just going to crawl in the dirt. In fact, y'all may not know this about me, but I have a snake at my house. I have a pet snake. I know, that's not weird. I know it's not weird, okay? Y'all think it is, but it's not. This, my snake is not possessed by Satan. My snake does not talk, okay? My snake barely moves. But... Uh, like, everybody thinks that's weird because I have, like, Satan living in my room. It's like, no, that's not it. Like, my, my, God didn't curse my serpent, okay? So, anyways, I think, I think serpents are really cool. I think snakes are really cool. But this happened to be Satan. And so he's going about and he's telling him this, and something just awesome happens. I mean, I'm talking about, like, crazy awesome. Y'all just, just have to see this. Like, it, it's crazy awesome. Then the man... I skipped over all the, the cursing and stuff like that. Then the man, Adam, in verse 20, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. So they didn't die. And she's going to be the mother of all who live. So it's going to continue. And then, then, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. I don't, I don't think we understand what's going on here. Because y'all remember the God that made all that awesome stuff in the beginning? Y'all remember that God? Do y'all remember those pictures? How crazy, insane those pictures were? 
And that's just a little bit. Y'all know if y'all ever take a picture, you're like, man, that doesn't even capture the whole thing. They don't even do it justice. Like when you lay your eyes on that stuff, like every particle of water, every bit of bacteria that goes into somebody's stomach to help them digest, every bit of life just coming together into one, just being this perfect unity, and you see that, and God just spoke, and it just became what it was out of nothing. There was nothing. Like We build houses out of wood that's already there. They had grown. God created it out of nothingness. Like it was like anything, like it was just absence of everything. He created with his words. And that God told Adam and Eve, do not eat of this tree. I told you, the one who I breathed breath into your lungs, I told you not to eat of this tree. And you ate of it anyway. And then when you ate of it, you became ashamed. And so then I cursed the serpent who deceived you. And then I cursed the woman. Then I cursed the man. And so, and so then, like, they, they sewed the, those fig leaves together to cover up their shame. And so God, with his grace tells them, or just does it for them, sacrifices an animal. The first sacrifice of anything, the first death of anything, and makes for them leather clothes. Like you're going to disobey God, the one who created all that stuff, you're going to disobey him, and then he's going to have enough grace on you to make for you leather clothes, you see those fig leaves weren't going to do it. Those fig leaves were just temporary. When leaves dry up, they get all shriveled and, and, and crunchy, all that kind of stuff, and brown. They don't last forever. So God knew that those clothes weren't going to do it. They just covered their shame. They just covered their, their nakedness just for a little bit, just temporarily. So what did God do? God knew that that wasn't going to cover them sufficiently. So he makes for them clothes that will last. He makes for them a cover for their shame, a cover for their nakedness that will last, stuff that is durable, stuff that will not lead, that will cover all of their shame, that will cover every bit of it. And it's sufficient to cover it to where they have no shame anymore. Does that sound familiar? Just a tad bit? So this sacrifice... I believe is a foreshadow of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He was sacrificed for us to cover all of our shame, to cover all of our sins, to cover us completely and for forever. It's not a temporary thing. It's for forever. So here's where the struggle comes in. The struggle comes in when we do a Romans chapter 7 thing. When we start struggling with sin, and that sin may become repetitive, or we fall into sin that we never thought we would get into, or we start doubting our salvation, or we, start, we, we get into a season where we're not praying enough, and we start losing a little bit of faith along the way, and we start becoming disobedient to God, and before long we're like, who, who am I? I don't understand. It's like, what does God even want me to do? I don't know. And you start following this, and you wonder if God even has grace for you anymore. But I want to remind you that if God can have grace for Adam and Eve, he, can have, he does have grace for you, for me and for you. 
all the pain. I mean, just imagine how big that sin was, the sin that causes all other sins. And He has grace for them. I mean, an unbelievable amount of grace. He made for them clothes. He didn't tell them, hey, go kill that animal, make clothes. He made for them clothes without them even asking. He wanted to cover their shame. He wanted to cover their nakedness. And so the struggle comes in is when we forget that. Just like Kenny said about Peter. He was like, well, God, you know, or Jesus, like, if you're just, if you're going to wash my feet, wash my whole body. I want my whole body to be clean. Well, he says, like, Peter, I've already made you clean. You don't need to be clean again. If that don't fire you up, whew, I'm talking about, I, I about lost it when I heard that. Like, you telling me that, like, I'm clean forever? Like, when, when Jesus cleansed me of my sin, although I struggle, you're telling me that it's forever and that he actually does still love me after six years of being a Christian and I'm still struggling? I'm still sinning? Like, I, I still don't know what I'm doing? I still am confused? And you're telling me he still loves me? Because it's the same, that same grace that saved you. Do y'all remember when you first felt that grace? Do y'all remember, like, how it made you feel? Just that moment you realized, God is real. This is Him talking to me. That moment where you're just like, God, I've got to give you everything. And I'm like, God, like, how? How can you love me when I'm like this? Like, God, how could you continue to love me? Like, I, just, just leave me, you know? Like, just, just go find somebody else. I can't do it, Lord. I, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible person. I deserve death. I just, like, God, how do you love me so much? Like, he, he still loves me the same way now as he did when I first started to follow him. And he still forgives me that way. And that same grace that you felt at the very beginning of your walk with Christ, it just, it turned your life around, just flipped your world upside down. It was just like, wow, wow, that's awesome. I'm forgiven. Like, you just, like Kenny said, it's like, just weight lifted off your shoulder. You feel like you walk around just, you know, showing it off to the world. I remember when I first got saved, like, I, I could not keep my mouth shut. Like, I sounded so weird to everybody. And I still probably do. Like, that's okay, though. You know, it's really okay. I, I might come off to you a little bit weird, but that's okay because I am weird. I was weird even before I got saved. Now I'm just even weirder. But that same grace that captured my heart, that captured your heart, and just, it turned you around forever. Like, it's a forever change. It's one that doesn't go away. It's one that you will never be thirsty for again. Like, it's like you will never grow thirsty. You will never grow hungry again because God is there. He's a living water. He's the forever spring. He's forever just cleansing you, forever uh, interceding for you, forever you're going to spend with him, and forever you're going to be perfect when you get to be with him. You get to reign with him. You get to be glorified with him. You get to hug him. You get to worship him forever. The one who cleansed you, the one who took your punishment on the cross, that same grace that you felt then was the same grace that God showed Adam and Eve, even though they didn't even acknowledge their sin. He was showing them grace. And it's just a tremendous amount of grace, just like the picture of you being in the middle of the ocean, just trying to humble us for a second to realize how small we actually are. That is our sin in the midst of His grace. 
If His grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. That's how much grace He actually has for us. He has so much grace for us. And I wanted to remind you of that tonight because it is a struggle. It is a struggle to be reminded of that. But what does Joshua say? He says, meditate on this word, this book of instruction, capital B, capital I, day and night, so that you will be reminded of these things, so that you can succeed in all you do, you can prosper, and you can obey, so that you know exactly what God is telling you to do. And for those of you who are like Adam and Eve and have not acknowledged your sin, you may have not even realized it at this point, but you feel God speaking to you now. I, I pray with all my heart you speak to Him because He loves you more than anything on this earth ever could. And He'll change your life for the better. Forever. So that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to remind you of God's grace. And that grace will always remain. That doesn't mean we can abuse His grace. That doesn't mean that we're going to sin and just continue to abuse the grace and just continue to be forgiven just because we know we're going to be, uh, continue to sin just because we know we're going to be forgiven. Because once God changes your life, you, you realize that I don't want, I don't want that sin anymore. It's, it's not enough for me. That fruit doesn't even taste good. You know what I'm saying? So I pray if, if you're in need of that grace, if you're in need of the, the restoration of the joy of God's salvation for you, I pray that you would just come down here. You would get somebody. Let, let somebody bear your burden tonight. For real. Like, I mean, just being on a real level, like, let somebody else bear your burden. Let somebody else carry it. Let me carry it. I want to carry your burden. I, I, I'll put mine down. I'll, I'll carry yours for you. Like, I don't care how heavy it is. I, I want to carry it because I understand it, life's hard. And I, I, I want all of us to bear each other's burdens. It's huge. That's a huge deal. And bearing each other's burdens, like I, I'm reminded when somebody bears my burden how much grace God has for me. I'm reminded by that passage that he, he puts on, he, he covers me of my nakedness, my shame, my sin. He covers me forever. I'm reminded of those things. Can we just bear our burdens tonight? Be reminded of God's love, His infinite love, and be convicted over the sins that we have in our lives that are holding us back and repent of those and be forgiven of those because of His awesome grace. Just put our faith in that and let it take hold of our hearts and drive us into tomorrow, drive us into the next person, drive us into the next country. Drive us to share the gospel everywhere because of his unfailing love and his amazing grace. It's just the gospel. That's all it is. I know it sounds crazy. It's just the gospel. It's just what it is. It is what it is. It's amazing. It's good news. So I'm going to pray, and y'all do whatever God says to do. God, I'm so thankful. God, I'm so thankful for your grace. 
Lord, I pray with all of my heart that you would just show somebody. You would just open their eyes to just how awesome you are. God, I pray that we would just be humble coming to you and, and realize just who we are in, in light of looking at you. And God, I'm so thankful for your word that you show us time in and time out and just over and over, even in the little spots, you show us how much grace you actually have for us. I pray we would not ignore that. And I pray that the words that have come out of my mouth tonight, I pray, Lord, they would have just spoken to somebody, even if it's just one person, because, God, I know how awesome you are. And the fact that you breathe breath into our lungs is enough to worship you. And the fact that you saved us after we rebelled against you is even more amazing. Thank you, Lord, for using me. Thank you, Lord, for the change in hearts you're about to do. And I have faith that you are going to do that. I have faith that someone's life is going to be changed because of your unfailing love, because of your grace that covers so so much. It covers everything, every bit of sin. It covers every bit. God, thank you. And thank you for your son who did that for us. And it's in his name. Amen.